0: We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. Thank you so much for this day, Lord. Thank you for the beautiful blue skies this morning, for the green trees, for the clean air, for the sun that is shining. Lord, this is the day that you have made Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, our King and our Redeemer. Thank you for giving us the pleasure, the privilege, to be here this morning to worship you in spirit and in truth. Asking that you bless this congregation and that you will speak, dear Lord, we ask to every heart, This morning, give us soft hearts, open eyes, open ears, open minds to do your will, to listen to your instruction, just like we read in the book of Proverbs this morning, where we are exhorted to listen to you because you speak to us. And we, Lord, want to hear your word this morning. We just sang, Lord. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. And Lord, you tell us that your sheep hear your voice, and they follow you. And you give unto them eternal life, and you know them. This morning, I pray for sensitive ears and hearts to follow you, to listen to your voice. We ask for your blessing upon every person that is here today and every home represented. And we also pray for those who are not here today because they're either sick or they're on vacation, and we ask, O oh Lord, that you bless them wherever they are. Dear Lord, give us wisdom this morning to understand what you have for us. We commit this service, and the one to follow as well into your precious hands. We praise you, and we thank you for this and much more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Please open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 6. Book of Genesis, chapter 6. We go to verse 11. Verse 11. Of chapter 6. Last week we saw how Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Only he and his family, immediate family, found grace in the midst of a corrupt world. Now we see that the Word of God tells us the following verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh hath corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Here we see the result of man's fall. The earth, it says, was corrupt. It refers to the corruption of man, of course. Sin spreads over the earth. And all this happens before God. One evidence of sin is the violence it produces. and We can see that in our day today as well. God sees that the whole human race was corrupted. Now, thank the Lord, we still, in our day, we have people who love the Lord and they are not corrupted. And we're not like in the times of Noah, that it was only him and his family. But it's coming to that. Don't uh, believe uh, anyone telling you otherwise. This is the sign, signs of the times, okay? Here we see that the whole earth was corrupted with the exception of Noah and his three sons and their wives. They were born in this corrupt world but escaped corruption, that is his children, most likely due to the example and teaching of godly parents like Noah and his wife. That teaches us that the home is the first school. It teaches us that the home, the mom and dad are the ones that need to train their children, not teachers of school, not even the pastor. The pastor can help along, but you have your children all week, 24 hours a day, every day. It is your responsibility. So we see here that due to the example and the teaching, some people think that it's just because they tell kids what to do. It's not only what you tell them to do, it's what they see you do that influences them. And not only that, but also by being kept busy building the ark. And my sister went to see the ark in Kentucky the other day and bought me a book that it's all about the ark. And when it has, has all these pictures inside, I should have brought it today, and I forgot. But uh, you should see the size of that thing. And when you look at it on the outside and on the inside, you realize that, wait a minute, yeah, there was room for all the animals. Not only for the animals, but for all the food they had to store for all the time the flood lasted. Okay. And, uh, and then some. Uh, Anna told me, my sister, that there, I think there's seven, if I'm not mistaken, seven jumbo jets fit inside the ark. That's how big it is. And they have close-ups, and you see how they built it with the wood. Of course, we don't know what kind of wood. It was gopher wood. We don't know what kind of wood it was, but something similar to that. And the way it's built, oh, my goodness. you know, It's unbelievable. So to build such a thing and not to have power tools like people have today, right? Electric saws and drills and whatever. You know, everything was by hand. It took them 120 years to do it, so they were busy preparing for the flood. Now, again, remember this. It had not rained ever before this. They had never seen water fall from the sky. And yet they believed God's word. Just like today, we never saw the Lord come back yet. But we believe he is coming. That's why he said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the return of the Son of Man, meaning himself. So here we see they were preparing for the flood, just like today. Okay? Now, we have to be ready. Man had filled the earth. Of course, they had filled the earth. But because of sin, it was also filled with corruption. In Hebrew, the word corrupt means, guess what? The word corrupt means destroy. Okay? So to corrupt is to destroy. Instead of following God's way, they went their own way. Just like Isaiah says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And that's what you hear a lot today. I'm going to do it my way. Okay, I'm going to do it my way. It's my way or the highway? Well, no, it's either your way or God's way. Okay. Finally, they destroyed themselves. They corrupted, and they destroyed themselves. They had a chance to repent, did they ever? 120 years? Nobody can blame God for not being merciful and gracious. Okay, God, it says, looked upon the earth. Man does not look for God, but God looks on the earth still today. And the Lord made it very clear, even a sparrow doesn't fall to the earth without your heavenly Father. The Lord knows even the very small sparrows out in the street, every one of them. And if he sees that detail, he sees all of us. Okay. As a matter of fact, there is a verse in the book of Hebrews that I mentioned it a few times in the past. And it's a verse that when you walk in the fear of the Lord, my goodness, It makes you tremble, because it says, and there is no creature, that includes all of us, there is no creature hidden from his sight. You may hide under the bed, you may go into the closet, it doesn't do any good, he sees you. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now, if you are not walking with God, that ought ought to fill you with fear. And if you are walking with God, that ought to fill you with joy, because you realize that the Lord sees you every moment. Eh? So see, because of all this corruption, judgment must fall from a righteous and holy God. And he reveals this directly to Noah. He tells him that the earth will be destroyed together with man. God communicates his plans to his children, not to the world. Why not? Because they will not listen. Okay? He tells him he was going to destroy the earth with man due to perversion. God decides when and how. If God decided such a catastrophe... It is because there was no hope that man would change for the better. God knows it all and acts according to his justice, his grace, and his mercy, and his holiness. And it is all for his glory. The flood would be total, as we are told in the New Testament. The apostle Peter, who speaks about Noah uh, a few times, Tells us in his second epistle that by which the world, it says, it says, let me read it from the beginning, it says, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, in other words, he created the heavens by his word, and the earth standing out of water and in water, in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. What perished back then? The world. And that word world means everything. Some people believe in the local flood. They're trying to accommodate the word of God. We're going to see that that's nonsense. Okay? Now, let's, let's go to verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher, good, gopher wood. Like I said before, we don't know what kind of wood this was. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the, floor of, uh, the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. In other words, the ark had three decks, three stories. I was reading that, that book, and it says that's the equivalent of a 10-story building. That's how high it was. Eh? Now, without saying much, God commanded Noah to build an ark to save himself, his family, and all the animals, giving him specific, specific instructions. Noah followed them, all these instructions, to the letter. He shows his faith, getting to work at once and being obedient. He does everything according to divine instruction. Imagine Noah saying, well, yeah, I know he said that, but let me see if I can do it better. I'll do it my way. No, Noah did everything exactly as God told him to do. When a person has faith in the Lord, acts a certain way, and his or her works demonstrate faith, demonstrate obedience, and demonstrate trust in the Lord, not his or her own understanding, and does it without questioning God. One thing is to ask questions to learn. And it's quite another to question. Because when you question, there is an element of doubt there. And God says very clearly, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he he says that, the the writer of Hebrew says that, exactly in in the content of speaking about Noah. Okay? So here we see that Noah did not question God on anything. God didn't say at first, I'm going to bring a flood. He says, you build an ark. First he tells them what to do. Then he tells them what kind of a judgment. You know what? God doesn't owe us any explanations. God doesn't need to explain himself. He knows what he's doing. He He needs no counselors to tell him, you know, Lord, you need to do it this way. God is God. Okay. So Noah did not question God and anything and built this enormous vessel. It tells us the measurements. The equivalent of 450 feet long. 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Capable of floating without sinking. And this is truly marvelous. Do you know that until the late 1800s, no vessel was built of that size. This is a huge undertaking, okay? The building of the ark must have seemed ludicrous, ridiculous to his generation, since they had never seen any kind of flood or even rain. Because the Bible tells us that the, uh, the earth was watered with the dew that came from the ground, Okay? And Noah must have been ridiculed for building such a vessel. Now imagine building a big ship in the middle of Oklahoma. They must have said, how are you going to carry it to the Atlantic or the Pacific Ocean? Pushing it? Eh? But Noah was divinely warned of things not yet seen. It tells us in Hebrews 11:7. 7. Noah was warned of things not yet seen. What are we warned of today? We are warned of the Lord is coming back. We haven't seen it, but we are warned. And when you tell that to people, they mock. Okay? He believed God's word and prepared, it says, an ark for the saving of his house. He was moved with godly fear lest his household be swallowed up by the wickedness and ungodliness of the condemned world of his day. And let me add, the condemned world of our day. Noah made every provision to save his family from the, con- the, uh, co- the uh, corruption of the world of his time. And you parents need to do everything. And you who are already adults need to Make sure that you live your lives and do everything possible to protect yourself from the corruption that exists in the world today. No doubt Noah must have begun building the ark soon after God's warning came, a work which lasted over a century preceding the flood. It's like if Noah had started building the ark in the year 1900 and finished it today. How about that? That gives you some perspective because sometimes we read the book of Genesis and we think that from chapter 1 to 11, you know, it just goes by fast. No, it doesn't. From chapter 1 to chapter 11 of Genesis, you have the same amount of time as from chapter 12 of Genesis to the time of today. Is the Lord in a rush? He's got all the time in the world, right? Literally. Now, the people of his day had ample warning, both through Noah's preaching and example. But the ungodly leaders of their day, their politicians, assured them that such a thing would never happen. We're going to do, we're going to be okay. Judgment. Ha, ha, ha. Flood? What are you talking about? Flood? It has never rained. What are you talking about? And so they they went on totally unconcerned, eating and drinking, until the flood came and took them all away. Look at verse 17. And behold, I myself, now he tells them, I myself, And bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Who's saying that? The Lord is saying that. Now God announces to Noah what kind of judgment he would use to put an end to man's wickedness. He would do it through a great flood. Now, listen to this. The Hebrew word for flood right here is the word mabul. It is used for the first time in scripture, and it applies only to the Noahic flood. Other floods are denoted by various other words in the original. It's not like us, we say the big flood, flood, and then we say floods. In Hebrew, it's not. The word Mabul refers purely, exclusively for the Noahic flood. When you talk about other floods, it's a different word. Okay? And I'm going to show you here what I mean. This is the unique flood in all of history open with me what second to psalm psalm 29 psalm the book of psalms psalm 29 look uh, go to verse 10 It says there, the Lord sat enthroned at the flood. It doesn't say a flood, but the flood, and it's with capital F. And the Lord sits king forever. Okay, the Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. That is the only other place in the Bible where that word mabul happens. Every time it talks about the flood that came at the times of Noah, it uses the word mabul. And here in Psalm 29, it's referring to that flood. Okay? Also, when the flood is referred to in the New Testament, the Greek term is we get the word cataclysm from it. It's not the regular word, the usual word for flood. Flood in Greek is plimira. And this is cataclysmos. Okay, And that's the word used by the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 24, 39, when he talks about <coughs> the flood in, of the days of Noah. And also in Luke chapter... Uh, chapter tw- uh, 17, okay? So in Matthew 24, when the Lord speaks in his sermon on the Mount of Olives, let me see one second here. In verse 39, it says, and did not know, okay, because talk talking in verse 38, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know, that is the world, until the flood came and took them all away. That word in the Greek there—it's cataclysmos, cataclysm. Same word used in Matthew, in—I'm sorry—in uh, Luke 17. The Lord is speaking there again on a different occasion. And it says here that they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. What does he mean they were married and were given in marriage? It means they ate, they drank, they met, they went around their lives, their everyday lives, their routine, doing ha, 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 let's uh, <coughs> you know eat, drink, be merry, totally unconcerned about the warning God gave them. And then the flood came and took them all away. Those words, that word flood both times in the New Testament is that word, "kataklysmos," And it's the same word used by Peter in 2 Peter 2, 5 and 3, 6. The two times that Peter talks about that, it's the same word, "kataklysmos." This flood was absolutely unique. Unique in all history. But at the same time, we know God's mercy of what he says because of what he says next. Look at verse 18. But... I, you know, somebody said, I love the buts in the Bible. Huh? The flood is coming. Destruction is coming. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Is God specific? Yeah? Okay. God's mercy is demonstrated by the promise He makes to Noah to establish a pact with him and announces that He and His family would be protected. This is the first mention in the Bible of the word covenant, which means a pact, okay, a treaty. The details of this covenant will be seen later in chapter nineteen. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter nine. So we're not going to talk about that now. Now, God always shows mercy to those who love and fear him. God enumerates each person. He knows each individual. The Bible says the Lord knows those that are his. He knows that only eight people would go into the ark. He also knew that no one from that generation would be saved through Noah's preaching, so all would perish in the waters of the flood. kind of discouraging for Noah, wasn't it? If you look at that, but not if you look at the Lord. This is the tragedy of man even today. The great majority are lost. And you know what? I'm sorry to say this, but a lot of Christians are totally careless. What if the Lord came today? What if the Lord came today? Where would he find you? Where would he find them? Okay? The great majority of people are lost today. And there remains only a small remnant. Now make sure you are part of that remnant. Verse 19. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all, f- of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be f- food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Wow. He was faithful, wasn't he? Obedient. It's not enough to say, oh, I believe in God. No, no, you have to be obedient. The Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay. The Lord gives instructions to Noah for his preservation and that of the animals. And God tells him what to do with them. And also instructs him about food. See, the Lord takes care of us. He's concerned about our well-being. The Lord told him that the animals would come to him. He didn't have to go out hunting for them. The Lord says, the animals will come to you. Besides, you have to take into account that it had never rained up to that time. And the earth was covered with this canopy of vapor that gave an even temperature throughout the earth. So the animals were not scattered all over the earth according to their nature. You know, animals that live in the cold, animals that live in the tropics. They were all kind of close. And wherever they were, the Lord says, they're going to come to you. Now, the God, the God who created every animal isn't capable of guiding every animal to go where he or she needs to go, okay? And so we see that the Lord uh, gives them, told him that the animals would come to him, and he would not have to go hunting for them. And because there was only one climate on all the earth, I repeat that because people uh, don't realize that, the animals were not uniformly distributed around the world as it is today, so no great distances were involved with the time when the time came to enter the ark. Noah obeyed God in everything and did it by faith. By faith he built the ark. By faith he provided for his household. By faith he gathered all the animals God told him to do and all the food God told him to do. He was a man of faith and total obedience to God's word. You never realize how great Noah was. He is a hero, isn't he? It's easy to be a believer when you're surrounded by other believers. It's very hard to be all alone and still be faithful. When everybody's mocking and scoffing and rejecting and just ridiculing you. And here we see that he was a man of character. The tasks God gave him were enormous. Yet he never questioned or complained. He just obeyed. He just obeyed. Verse, uh, verse 22 is a summary of more than a century of God's long suffering while Noah worked and preached righteousness to a, that disobedient generation. And we read these verses you know, from uh, Peter, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and Luke before. So I'm not going to repeat them. But three more times we're told that Noah obeyed God. Turn with me one second to the seventh chapter of Genesis for a minute. In the seventh chapter, go to verse 5. Where it says, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Look at verse 9. Two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And look at verse 16. So those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Because Noah walked with God and was obedient to his word, God had great fellowship with him. Seven times, this is important, seven times we're told God spoke to Noah. The first time is in chapter 6, our text this morning. And in verse 13, which we we already covered, what does it say there? And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. Then again, he says the same thing in chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. Again, in chapter 8. And in verse 15. Then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Then again in chapter 9, verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Same chapter 9, verse 8. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him. Verse 12. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you. And then verse 17, and God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So how many times did he speak to him? Seven times. That's what the Bible uh, records. Seven times. Each time in fellowship and blessing to him and his family. In contrast to that, go back to Psalm 29. In Psalm 29, which deals with the Noahic flood, seven times the voice of the Lord thunders in majesty and judgment before the world which had rejected him. Look at uh, Psalm 29, verse 3. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The The God of glory thunders. Look at verse 4. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Verse 5. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. Look at verse 7. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. Verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And verse 9, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare, and in his temple everyone says glory. Seven times he thunders. Why? God thunders when man is disobedient. But when Noah doesn't say God thundered to Noah, it says that he spoke to Noah. Same way as with Elijah. (laughs) Elijah felt the earthquake, saw an earthquake, saw the uh, wind, saw the storm. But the voice of the Lord was not in those. The voice of the Lord was in the little soft breeze. Some people think they're going to make a lot of noise and God is going to speak. God doesn't speak in noise. God speaks in silence. What does it say be still and know that I am God. It doesn't say jump up and down clap your hands and scream on the top of your lungs and speak in tongues and that doesn't say that that's chaos. Okay? So we see here he spoke to Noah 7 times, he thunders at the wicked world 7 times, and interestingly enough, John the apostle speaks of seven thunders and their voices, which will be uttered in the future judgment. Open with me one second to the book of Revelation. That's easy to find. It's the last book in the Bible. Chapter 10. Look what it says there. Chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. And cry with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. That's judgment again, because it's talking about the future Revelation. Seven is the number of completion, of perfection. Okay, So the voice of God is perfect. What he says is perfect, and his judgment is perfect. Now, the question is, how much spiritual light did men have before the flood? <laughs> they had the testimony of nature, according to Romans 1, 19 and 20. They had the testimony of conscience, according to Romans 2, 14 and 15. They had the promise of the Redeemer in Genesis 3, 15. They had the knowledge of the sacrifice in Genesis 4, 4, where we see the sacrifice of Abel. They had the preaching of Enoch, according to the book of Jude. They had the preaching of Noah, according to the book of 2 Peter. And they had the ministry of the Holy Spirit, according to Genesis 6.3. So does man have an excuse? No. No. God is just. God is righteous. And God is true. Yes, he is a God of love. Nobody questions that. He is a God of love. And because he is a God of love, he has to execute judgment when man sins. He has provided for that sin. But when people reject that provision, there's no other remedy. It's like if a person has cancer. And the doctor says, this is what you need to do. You say no, right? Yeah, you're not going to do it. And you know you have your condition is serious. We have two friends of the family that have cancer, and their condition is very serious. And they're not even saved. But if you refuse the treatment, I mean, that is not to say that that treatment is going to be successful every time. But if you don't do anything, you're going to die. If you refuse, and let's leave cancer aside, any disease, if you have, you know, COVID, and the doctor says, take this medication, if you reject it, you might not survive. Who knows? You have pneumonia, you have any kind of disease, or you have some kind of an artifact at home and comes with a manual. And he tells you the instructions, how to handle that, how to use it. And you uh, refuse to read it, and you want to do it (coughs) your way, and you don't know what what you're doing, you're going to ruin it. When God says, do this, and God knows best, doesn't he? He knows a lot better than we do. Now, remind you what Socrates said. I read it the other day again. He said, intelligent people. Learn from everyone and everything. Average people, less intelligent people, learn from their own experience. And idiots already have all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, this is a world of idiots. Okay? But when God, that's why it says, blessed is the man or woman who walks in the fear of the Lord every day. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay? And the wise man or woman departs from evil. The fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. Okay? Noah did. And he saved his family. Not only that, but look at us here. All of us here, all of us here are descendants of Noah. He is the father of all nations. So how many races are there? See, but we have black and white and Indian and red and uh, Chinese. And those are ethnic groups. They're not races. There's only one race, the human race. See? We all come from one, Noah. And why? Because he obeyed God. In the uh, next chapter, we're gonna see more details about the flood, the judgment, how long it it lasted and what happened, you know, what Noah did and his sons and all that. Uh, It's amazing how the book of Genesis is so true and so wonderful, gives us information that the world doesn't know. And it totally rebukes and refutes these uh, theories of evolution, okay? And it shows us that a a holy God, when he speaks or when he says, is right. And we're going to talk about that next week. I hope you learned something today. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege of opening your word to listen, to learn, to understand your will, your word. We are so grateful this morning. we thank you for listening to this message and pray that the Word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt sermons.